welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is ryan christopher nonas from life changing capital welcome ryan hey rama thanks for having me on the show Thank you. A little bit about Ryan. Ryan was the number one commodity derivative salesperson at Wall Street Banks for 13 years. He transitioned to multifamily in 2019 and is a general partner in 50 million of assets and a passive investor in nearly 3,000 units across Texas, Florida, Phoenix, Georgia, and Ohio. He's the founder of Life Changing Capital, a Houston-based commercial real estate private equity firm on takes an institutional, transparent, and hands-on approach to multifamily. He loves playing basketball, guitar, and drums, eating food, meeting new people, and speaking French. He was voted best listener in his graduating high school class. That, Ryan, would you like to add anything to your background? No, I think that's I think that's well done. Appreciate it. Thank you. So, would you share a little bit more about your best? I mean, your award about best listeners. Oh, the award that I received, best listener. You know, it was in high school, so it was a long time ago, and I almost put that in jokingly. But I think it it spoke to. It was almost like a prophecy in a way over my career. You know, graduating high school, I did not know what I wanted to do. Uh, fortunately, I found um, a a great career path of being in sales, and a lot of sales to me was listening to what a client's needs were, understanding those, and then figuring out a solution. So I I just you know I put that in there because. Because, you know, for other classmates of all things to say best listener, I mean, it's just, I, I don't know how, how someone says you're, you're a great listener, but I guess, you know, people saw it then. And, and I've heard that from clients as well, that listen, follow up, take notes and really trying to solve problems. And that's, that's helped me in my real estate career. Got it. And thank you. And would you share your thought process of getting into multifamily from Wall Street and what is the reason? Yeah, for sure. So for a number of years, my New Year's goal was to figure out how to generate passive income, knowing that in Wall Street, it's kind of like being in the NFL where you have a great run, you score the touchdown, but you never know if the next play you're going to have a a life-changing career injury. So um, my goal was to figure out what else could I do with the skill set that I have and really build upon what I was looking at as kind of the halftime of my career. What could I do for the next half? And I had spent a lot of time exploring other avenues, starting restaurants, starting music schools and early childhood education programs. And when I came across multifamily, I knew right away that this is what I've been looking for and was super, super excited to start. And when I learned about the tax benefits, it was like, this is it. And um, so that was 2000, early 2019 and had a fair amount of personal capital that I wanted to deploy and for the tax benefits in real estate, ended up investing as a co-sponsor in two deals and then investing in I guess, 12 or 13 other um, passive investments and um, reduced my taxable income and ended up getting a $224,000 um, refund from the IRS, which I then d- deployed into two deals that we actively led in 2020. So, um, you know, it's been a culmination of a lot of hard work of figuring out, you know, the tax advantages and how to deploy capital and, and so forth. But, um, you know, it's been, it's been a great run and very appreciative of all the investors that have supported us. Awesome. Cool. And so what is your investment philosophy, Ryan? 
Uh, number one is don't lose. <laughs> so uh, for for me personally, I've made a lot of the wealth, personal wealth on Wall Street. And I look at multifamily, you know, kind of as the antithesis to commodities or commodities markets. You know, I was in it when it went to 125 and it went down to minus 37. So, you know, that is not what I'm looking for in multifamily. I'm really looking for more stability, more um, visibility on, on cash flow. And we buy for cash flow. And so when you do that, and um, you really want to protect principle. And so that's something that we work very, very hard and diligently to manage risk around our deals so that we effectively create a call option coming from, you know, my parlance of being commodity derivatives where, you know, you have downside protection, but, um, you know, hopefully explosive upside. That's that's really what we're trying to look for. Um, again, these aren't principle protected investments, but, you know, we do our best to make sure that uh, number one is we don't lose money. Number two is buy right. Uh, so the three deals that we've led, we've bought them anywhere from a 10 to 20% you know, discount of what we see versus the recent sales comp. So that to us is really important. So you're going in with a head start on your business plan and versus you know where you can exit. So, and then three is, is really add value. You know, our business plan is to go in, buy the property. Okay. Buy it right. But then within the first six months, really show residents that we care that we're, you know, yes, we are charging higher rents, but we're also adding value for that. And so exterior, interior makeovers, you know, doing hosting resident events and really building community. And that's through partnering with nonprofits and churches and holding kids camps and Easter events and so forth. So that residency that we do care and, you know, our reviews speak for it. We've, uh, our three properties are all around four-star Google reviews and some of those started in the low twos. So that to us is really important. Got it. And would you say a little bit more about your, I mean, value on the data-driven approach? Value data-driven approach, is that what you said? Yes. Yes. So we come from, you know, my partner and I both worked on Wall Street. So what we do is is we spend a lot of time, particularly when things shut down during COVID, you know, we made the, the decision to basically double down our time investment in the space and really figure out how can we become better at what we do. And how and a large part of that was how can we spend more time on the deals we care about and less time on the deals that just aren't going to work for us. And so we decided to build out a lot of proprietary tools and analytics to determine, you know, what things that would be precursors for successful deals. And so um, that has helped us screen more opportunities and also then spend more time on the deals that we think are just going to pencil better for us. So, you know, we just have strict demographic criteria. We have a very good sense of relative value. And, you know, hey, this is looking cheap or rich versus what we've seen trade or what we're hearing trade in the market or assets that we know, assets that we've invested in, assets that we've seen come on the market. So we just have a very good pulse. And I think uh, a number of brokers Brokers have also, you know, said the same of, you know, you guys are buying right, you know, you're managing right. And so that that's really the the approach that um, we strive for. Sure. Thank you. And would you share a little bit more about how you develop your proprietary tools like that? You know, we just spent time figuring out what are the things that if we could have in, you know, a, a snapshot, what are the things we care about? How can we look through T12s and rent rolls to really parcel out the data that we want to see and that's meaningful? And so, um, you know, that could be looking at different trends that could be highlighting um, areas where, hey, this looks <clears throat> like it's out of line or, hey, this looks like it's, it's you know, out of line, meaning there's an opportunity to reduce expenses or, hey, this looks like, you know, they're not, the expenses are just too low. And so there's something that's 
you know, either they're missing, they didn't include, they, you know, are doing it themselves, which, you know, we need to run businesses on how we're going to manage it. So i.e. if someone is managing the property themselves and paying themselves nothing, and that's not what we're going to do. We, we have to hire staff and pay staff. So, you know, things, things of that nature that we can quickly parcel out, see trends, see what is the drivers of economic vacancy, how much has the bad debt been, how much is concessions, and is that getting better or worse? And so that, but doing that very quickly is where we spend a lot of time. So getting a good pulse on the health of a property very quickly. Got it. Thank you. And would you share your thought process of finding a right business partner? Yeah, sure. So we, you know, Jeff and I grew very organically. We met each other just over two years ago and had very similar backgrounds. We both worked on Wall Street. Actually, both went to NYU, but at different times. Both had our MBAs and, you know, just were, were very principled, similar values and very similar goals and approaches, just very professional, institutional, transparent approach. And um, what we did, instead of just jumping in and partnering together, we just spent a lot of time and talking about our views, we thought was going to happen in the space, what we wanted to accomplish. And then it became, hey, you know, let's just catch up on a weekly basis and talk about what we're doing, kind of hold each other accountable. And then it became, hey, I'm investing in this deal. What are your thoughts on it? Hey, I'm putting up my website. What do you think about this? Hey, I'm putting together this deck. What do you think about this? And so it was a great way to test drive each other and just see, you know, does that person have the opinions and values that that I appreciate? And for me, you know, Jeff's insight was hugely valuable. And he took the time to say, hey, and, and just say like, hey, I think you should revamp this or hey, I think this would be better said here. And that meant a lot to me. And we started then looking at some deals and in the summer of 2019, we decided to build out the rest of our quote unquote team. So talk with different property managers in different markets, go visit with brokers and insurance providers, legal folks, accountants, and so on and so forth. You know, But what I would say is versus just slapping a partnership together, we just grew that very organic. So the foundation was very, very strong. And so we just saw eye to eye and were able to, you know, really work together before partnering together. Got it. And thank you. Thanks for sharing your thought process. And so would you share a little bit more about your capital raising process and how to raise 4.2 million in a few hours? Yeah. So on the capital raising side, it a lot of it has just been my same approach on, on Wall Street. I was in sales my whole career, but I never thought of myself as a salesperson. I thought of myself as a customer service focused specialist, if you will. And a lot of that was just sitting down with people, hearing what their thoughts were on multifamily and just sharing my background, sharing my approach. And I'm not a hard sell person. I, I really want people to just walk away and say, wow, this person is, you know, cares one, two is completely transparent. And honest and you know knows what they're doing and that has been super helpful we've had a number of repeat investors a number of people that have said hey i want to introduce you to my boss my friend my colleagues my family i want to invest more on the next deal and so on and so forth and that means the world to us and um, so that reputation um reputation is everything so for us the capital raising is about just doing the right thing and really really i mean it's it's all of the things that go into just being good sponsors, owners, and operators. And that comes through just daily blocking and tackling and every opportunity that you get to show yourself that you're on top of the asset. We are frankly, very, very performance focused. And I would say we're, we're definitely lighter on the marketing side than, and it's not for us, not about accumulating units. It's more about uh, buying right and, you know, performance. 
Got it. Thank you. And would you share a little bit more about asset management tips and tricks that you are implementing as part of your, you know, ongoing? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of these things are borrowed from my career on Wall Street, where I felt that if people got to their desk every day with daily goals and just daily, like, hey, this is what I need to accomplish today. We just felt that, you know, and personally, this is what I did is that, in, and we're held accountable at the end of the day, then you would have uh, just a better outcome. So I would think, you know, philosophically, that is one thing that is really important. So what that means is we get daily recaps from the staff on what leasing traffic is, what leases were closed, and what I call a, in, in commodities, we'd have a trade recap. So after a trade was done, it was like, you know, this client sold a thousand barrels a day of 2022 oil at X price. So everybody would know what would happen. And similarly, we borrow that for uh, multifamily. And so when um, people have a new lease or renewal, it's, hey, you know, unit JO2 just leased at $1,350 versus, you know, market rents of this or versus, um, you know, previous ownership of $1,100. So $200 plus ramp up 20% increase. And that those are just actually real examples. We just took over property last week and we experienced that twice. And so that just gives us an opportunity to celebrate with the team and just say, wow, keep up the good work. And that that daily blocking and tackling. And you know, when you just are so micro-focused on each person that comes through the door and closing them and adding value to them and, and the community, what we end up finding is when you, when you look back, you start saying, wow, you know, because of that discipline every day, look where we ended up, you know, exceeding pro formas and so forth and, and just having a much better outcome at the property and just also being more connected to the staff. In in, you know, on Wall Street and in, in life and in multifamily, it's a human business. And, you know, people want to know that they're valued and appreciated. So that's something that we just take a lot of time communicating daily with the staff and, you know, just being there supportive. If they say, hey, we need this or that, or we have this idea, it's like, let's explore it. Let's support you. Tell us what you need and we'll sign off on it. And then just congratulating them when things are done. And then also, you know, sometimes having tough conversations like next time, can we do this or can we fix this? But we want to just leave the staff with the impression that we care. We care about them and we're here to help. And, you know, from asset management, those are the strong philosophies. Some things that we do there, it, it is, we do spend a lot of time on the asset management. We feel that that differentiates us. Got it. And how often you did, uh, you have calls with the property management teams? Yeah, some of them we've had twice a week, some of them once a week as we hit stabilization. And but we have daily communication, whether through reports, through chats, and, and some some asset, these assets we're going to have twice a day reports on actually. Got it. And would you share any of your best multifamily investing experience so far, uh, either both as you are active? Yeah, sure. On the active side, the first deal that we led was uh, 88 units in San Antonio. And that deal I toured in November of 2019. And I remember texting Jeff and saying, we got to buy it. I love it. <laughs> you know, candidly, it was the first deal that I toured in San Antonio, but you just know when you know, it was just a great path of progress and great, just location, great basis, felt good, unique asset, irreplaceable single story asset, which they don't build single story assets anymore. It's just not cost effective. Um, unfortunately, we did bid on We did bid on that. Unfortunately, um, somebody else was awarded the deal and we kept in touch with the broker. And about six months later, the pandemic, all that happened. And I was, you know, 
in in Dallas and um, you know, I just chatted with the broker and he's like, yeah, it didn't trade. I'm like, what do you mean it didn't trade? And um, he goes, yeah, it just, it's going to fall out of contract today. And I said, you know, that next day we, we put in another offer on the same property and we were awarded it. And the broker basically said to the seller, these guys don't mess around. They're going to close the deal. They're not going to retrade you. They're going to do the right thing. And um, we ended up closing on that deal in, you know, no extensions on time. And we were able to cut the kind of the, the backstory on that is 21 year, oh, the owner had owned the property for 21 years out of uh, California, visited the property once a year, just ran it um, very heavy with expenses. We were able to cut expenses by 37%, grow income by 9%. And so the upshot of NOI grew by 144%. We've owned the property seven months, uh, distributing 10% cash on cash on that deal. Renewal rates have been 90 plus percent, which is crazy. And we've been able to renew people at pro forma rents without having to um, do anything to the interiors, just because people like the community and also like the exterior, the leasing office changes and just the community changes that we've implemented. So just been a huge success story. Um, I will say though, um, when Jeff and I talk about that deal, I mean, there were times where we were just, you know, like the rent comps don't really make a ton of sense. Um, and it's because the deal was just irreplaceable because it's single story. So it was kind of peer less. It didn't truly have rent comps that you could triangulate on paper, um, which is a tough thing to sell to investors, but um, it resonated with them. And, you know, particularly that the average resident had lived at the property for years was, you know, our thesis was they're going to stay. And it, it truly, you know, showed itself to be true, uh, helped us reduce our RM and turn costs and so forth. And also, also keep renewals high. So that's, that was just a great, great success story. And um, it's been a great asset. It's been a, a real pleasure. Got it. Thank you. And so what is your exit plan on that deal? You know, that uh, we are distributing 10% cash on cash on that. And, you know, if we were to sell that now, it would be north of a five and a half cap, which is kind of unheard of in San Antonio. So, you know, we we may explore uh, a sale earlier than expected. You know, it, we've set ourselves up for a good outcome. Either we hold it and continue to distribute 10 plus percent cash on cash or we sell it early and, and just, you know, have the opportunity to go full cycle with a great story that, you know, we came in, did all of our CapEx within six months and moved quickly and we're able to get out very quickly. So it's going to be one of those two outcomes. Sure, sure. And would you also share any of your worst or challenging experience so far in multifamily journey? Yeah. So on, on the worst experiences, I would say um, have, you know, have unfortunately been, or fortunately, I guess, have been with passive investments. And um, I, in 2019, you know, joined the space in April. So I had about eight or nine months to really um, get up to speed with multifamily and to deploy a fair amount of personal capital and all needed to be done for that tax year. So 2019 by December 31st to get the tax benefits that I was looking for. So with that, um, there's only so many deals that are going to come across your plate to either pursue actively or passively. And, you know, frankly, I was more, felt more comfortable pursuing passive deals um, versus leading a deal and, you know, said, hey, it's better for me to diversify passively, you know, figure out those submarkets and figure out where I really want to focus on. And then also learn from some, you know, quote unquote experienced folks. And so I invested passively, tried to really spread my capital as widely as I could and which was a good idea. 
And some of those folks I would invest with again, a number of them, unfortunately, and the majority I would not. And I think what, what I learned in that process is my expectations, having worked on Wall Street and dealt with clients and been in a highly professional, institutional, transparent environment. And there was a number of folks on the multifamily side that didn't have that background. So the disclosures on their monthly reports, they were late, tax filings were late, the, the disclosures were poor. And it just, it was a lot of brain damage to really understand, you know, is this is my investment thumbs up or thumbs down? You know, frankly, when you're invested in 16 deals, you just want a quick, you know, I want to be able to open the report in 30 seconds and say, hey, thumbs up, thumbs down. And is this going the right way or not? And, you know, a lot of the, you know, when I'd ask the first or second question, it would either be, you know, an answer that showed they did not understand the asset, whether questions about, you know, they would show our occupancies or, you know, our delinquency is X, you know, but our economic vacancy is a lot tighter than that. And it was like, it doesn't any sense, um, you know, just mathematically. And you'd ask the questions. They're like, well, that's what the report said. I'm like, your reports are wrong. You're looking at the wrong things. Um, so, you know, I think people, there's a lot of folks in the space that, you know, it's a hobby for them. For us, this is a full-time job and we just take it really seriously. You know, the day that we took other people's money, it changed things for us. And there's just a whole level of accountability. Any investor that reaches out to us, you know, full answer within 24 hours or less. You know, I cannot say that about the deals that I've personally invested in. It's been sometimes no answer. And again, it's, you know, candidly, you know, some of these people have gone on to acquire a lot of other deals. And I scratch my head as to how, because their deals are not performing right now. Got you. So I think just for your listeners, just to, you know, know, know who your sponsors are, know them well, not just because they're good at marketing or because they've acquired a lot that has no correlation with how their deals are performing, which is odd. You know, some people just, you know, correlate, Hey, wow, they're acquiring all these properties or, or, Oh, wow. They're all over social media. They must be, you know, rock stars and multifamily and their deals must be spitting off crazy cash flow, But uh, that is not true. Um, one thing that I would just highly suggest for your listeners is I have 25 questions. Every passive investor should ask that I wrote from my 13 years of experience on Wall Street, investing in 16 or so deals in, in uh, multifamily. And you know that is free. It's on my website, lifechangingcapital.com. So that's something that people want to check out. Feel free. Sure, sure. And thank you. Thanks for sharing that. And what is your current focus and share something you're excited about now, Ryan? Uh, our current focus is continue to lead deals in the Texas Triangle, to buy right and to buy you know deals that are purchased at a great basis where we can either lower expenses, raise income, or a combination of the two, and just really add value. And partner with good people. We are open to deals outside of Texas. And it's just that we would need to be, you know, in the front seat and just making sure that those deals perform well and, and to the levels that uh, we think there's the potential to and that we've experienced. Got it. And what kind of cap rates going on in the triangle markets? You know, cap rate is is one of those nuanced questions because, um, you know, if you look at the deal that we acquired in San Antonio, the cap rate on paper was like sub four, which is crazy low for that area of San Antonio. But if you adjusted it for, you know, one, our expenses where we were cutting payroll and two, they capitalized a ton of items that they, um, or sorry, they expensed a ton of items that should have been capitalized. For instance, you know, I'd show up at the property and they're like, yeah, we just bought new refrigerators refrigerators and stoves and and so forth. And it's like, you know, that should all be capitalized, not expensed, but yet you would see it as expensed. And so, you know, people need to understand that, you know, cap rate can be very nuanced. For instance, the cap rate could look really high if 
all my payroll is zero because I'm not paying myself anything. So, you know, but, but generally we look at what we can do with the cap rate. And if we think the deal has been underperforming, we're not scared of a low cap rate. If we believe that we can take it to a healthier cap rate um, through our operations. Got it. And any one advice that impacted you, Ryan? Yeah, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, advice that I've been given. You know, I think one of the things that uh, I, I kind of look at and was given early on in my Wall Street career by a successful hedge fund manager now, and he, he said that, uh, Ryan, there's going to be a lot of people that you meet and a lot of clients that you interact with. Some people are going to love you and some people are, for whatever reason, just not going to like you. And he said, focus and spend time with the people that like you and do your business with them. And, you know, that has really resonated with me. I mean, candidly, there's, you know, service providers that have just not been a good fit for us and that we fired. And there has been other partners that, you know, we've said, uh, or, you know, just, you know, like I mentioned on the investor side, a passive investor side, people that I've just never invested with again, nor would I partner with them, you know, just don't have a level of respect or trust for them that, you know, is necessary in a partnership. So, you know, that advice is just permeated in multifamily and kind of holds true in life. Got it. Yeah. So any one book that impacted your life and what way? I would say a book in the Bible called Philippians and just that uh, it talks about being able to do all things through God's strength and just having a very positive and, you know, uplifting outlook. And, you know, particularly when I go through challenging times, which, you know, happens frequently in multifamily and in life. And, you know, that has just been a huge source of inspiration. Got it. So, and how are you giving back to community? We do a lot with for our residents uh, by partnering with churches and nonprofits. Uh, so, you know, that's something that we do on the multifamily side, hosting events. And we're looking at, you know, hosting CPR classes and, and fire awareness and so forth. Just, you know, any way to, to give back to our residents. Uh, on the personal side, you know, I've coached kids sports. Um, but one thing that I've done is started a rock band at my kids' school just to give them an outlet. It's a K through eighth school and just to give them an outlet for to express their creativity and interest in, in rock music. So that's been a fun project and, and something that uh, has impacted the community. Awesome. Awesome. And how can listeners can connect with you, Ryan? Yeah, sure. You can go to lifechangingcapital.com and you can reach out if you want to schedule a call, have a, a number of other resources like the 25 questions every past investor should ask, updates on our portfolio and so forth. So feel free to check that out. Awesome. And thank you, Ryan. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much, Rama. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message, info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.